Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Mitch. In the words of far too many characters, <laughs> that is a gimme. Also, I forgot to do mine so quickly. Uh, I don't have to see things to know that they're there. Um, there's so much oinking in this fucking movie. There's a lot of oinking. My my second choice would have been <laughs> Gretel. It smells of cake, and I'm unable to resist. That's a very like I want to steal the doll. I did the exact voice. Yeah, it's very that. Um, I didn't write down a, a huge swath of quotes, so I was fairly limited in what I could say. So I went with the first one that I saw in my note. But yeah, a lot of oinking. And that's not like you euf- that's not a euphemism for anything. People just be going up to each other. <laughs> oink oink, and, motherfucker. And and just oinking, dude. Um, so you'll notice, uh, the intro a little shorter than usual. Liam is invoking the sometimes clause essentially, which is my clause. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like the Santa clause though, in that I think if somebody were to kill you, they get it. Have you had any like violent interactions with Liam recently? Not that I know of. No, because I'm wondering how he got his hands on this sometimes clause. Yeah, we've got to read the, the sometimes fine print. clause three, the escape clause. It's all in the fine print. It's always in the fine print. The large print giveth, the small print taketh away. So true. The sweet smell of the fine print. Um, <laughs> I say and, that while I sip from this enormous. <laughs> Dude, what's up with that fucking mug, dude? I'm drinking out of this ginormous flamingo mug that I filled with crushed ice, and I'm drinking a fog cutter out of it, which has about like four ounces of booze. It's got, it's got a bit of sherry (laughs) floated on top as well. The the Uh, of this with the whole pineapple in the background. Yeah, there's a pisco. There's um, rum. There's gin in it, and then there's like one and a half ounces of lemon juice and one and a half ounces of orange juice, and then. Or shot like uh, almond syrup, it's uh it's all over the place. But it's a it's a classic sort of tropical drink. Yeah, and no better time than the middle of February. Well, it brightens my spirits. That's fair. It's you're fighting off sad. Mm-hmm. You know what? Here's our segue into Gretel and Hansel. Maybe you didn't even hear the thing we were segueing out of. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know how this edit's gonna go. Uh, Liam was sort of our guiding light, our shining force into the Gretel and Hansel pick. This is a movie that I think that we've been wanting to do since it came out, basically, because the podcast was already underway. And it's a pretty slam dunk kind of choice. Uh, Liam, though, did make that choice. So we are a little bit at a disadvantage largely because mitch i don't know what your investment into getting into this would have been i remember hearing about it when it came out like i remember seeing uh like shit about it on twitter but otherwise i don't think i would have ever watched it i didn't have an interest at the time yeah um did it seem so it doesn't seem then like the kind of movie that you were necessarily going to seek out no but i've seen lots of movies that are like this movie um but i typically like 
uh, remixes of, of like fairy tales and, and stuff like that doesn't usually excite me. Um, are you somebody who grew up like with fairy tales or like reading them or yeah. having them read to you? Yeah, or anything? Hansel and Gretel was one of my favorites actually growing oh, up. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you did you ever go to that place called Storyland? Yeah. <laughs> it's not far from Ren, not far from Renfrew. And they've got <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a core memory unlocked. <laughs> Man. Okay, so I'll set the scene for our listeners. It was like this um Wow. I think, I think this old sort of uh, amusement park place of sorts that was in the middle of the woods in the Ottawa Valley and it was full of like these ginormous uh, plaster like statues of like bunny rabbits and figures from store from and the uh, paints like chipping off and like yeah, storybooks the paints chipping off but you've got like scenes from Snow White and you've got Jack and the Beanstalk and uh, of course uh, Little Red Riding Hood and Hansel and Gretel and they've got like this this um creepy dilapidated sort of gingerbread house thing in the forest that's got like a, a plaster witch on the inside and the whole place is pretty drab it was probably built sometime in like the 50s or 60s yeah and near the by, end there's just sort of like an impromptu play structure yeah i think playground dutch, area dutch or german immigrants and and so there is like this sort of like european uh flavor to it all and and um i guess aspects of like of of you know like brothers grim stories and stuff like that and yeah there is this big playground thing at the end of it with with a big like water slide and uh or a big like inflatable slide and there was like those mushroom things that fall water like a like a, a splash park also splash pad yeah those those cars that you sit on and you move the handle and it propels it forward i don't remember, if you remember those but those things could fuck up your hands on them yeah so real quick so the reason I started laughing so much, uh, so I went to Storyland. I would have been probably in kindergarten, and uh, the the primary core memory that we're tapping into here is that I had a friend in kindergarten named Taylor, and we were all like playing around in that like I don't know. I guess it must have been the jungle gym kind of area. And anyway, she she wiped out and ate it and uh, broke her arm and like fucked the arm up pretty bad. And I remember because just the way like the chaperoning or parent breakdown worked out is that like me and like my I don't remember which parent it would have been, but like and like maybe another parent and her had to go like take her to like the hospital to like address the whole arm situation it was was way out in the middle of nowhere yeah like you would and even then it got turned into a glamping ground after when the amusement park was abandoned you could go explore it i think yeah well even then too like it's also awkwardly in between towns and the towns it's in between aren't big so it's that weird thing where it's like there's no readily accessible like healthcare or resources or anything yeah like that you're close enough to Renfrew, and I, I I don't think that there's like much of a hospital there if there is. Yeah, you're you're in between like Renfrew and Cobden, basically. Yeah, like you're not in the thick of it. Um, that's for sure. And then also, I feel like this is the only chance we're gonna get to ever talk about this. Um, 
so not far from Storyland, of course, is a. I think you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, I don't. We'll keep going. Logos Land. Oh fuck! <laughs> I, I love like these domestic homespun Ottawa Valley. So parks. Logos Land. Picture this in your mind's eye, if you will, please. Dear that listener, place was fucked. You're driving along like a two lane highway, and there's like a bunch of trees and stuff on either side, and then there's a clearing, and there's two things. There's a Kubota dealership, and then there is um. A building in the shape of an ark, like Noah's Ark. That was the restaurant. Yeah, and it's got like animals out front, and there's a restaurant building facing the highway in the shape of Noah's Ark. And then yeah, if a big you were giraffe to, on the bow. Yeah, if you were to drive past this building, the the amenities afforded to you were zip lining and a water park, but with like a and petting zoos. And a petting zoo, but with like again, like this off-brand plaster and chipped paint biblical theme. <laughs> and it was a campground too. You could stay overnight. I camped there once when I was a kid. Yeah. Logos Land uh is one of I think Logos Land is maybe the strangest thing that I lived near that I got completely used to seeing. Yeah. Because when you drive by it, it's kind of miraculous to me that more people aren't like kind of shook by it. Because there's a sign about Logos Land Resort, and then there's like a boat on a trailer with some animals on it, and then there's the an- there's the arc shaped restaurant, and then behind it, yeah, it's like a campground, a couple of water slides, petting zoo. Like the biblical theme is not even particularly overt. It is yeah, not really though. I th- I think in the past it might have been, but I think the logos line has become I'm, more secular. Yeah, like they've dialed <laughs> it back. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, there there was a Protestant Reformation within Logos Land, and uh, <laughs> and they 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 dialed back a lot of the uh, ninety five theses. The whole works, <laughs> and so they scaled back a lot of the. Uh, yeah, he nailed them to the petting zoo doors. Yeah, so then a lot of the uh, sort of like idolatry of it all and the and the luxury of Logos Land was really reined yeah, in. And now you I fucked myself up on a, on a water trampoline there once. Yeah, the water slides, I'm looking at the pictures, the water slides look scuffed as hell. Like, yeah, they, they, don't were, look, the, they don't look dangerous, but they just look weird. The red one was like the fast one that you had to like lie on was fucked. Yeah. I remember like just like uh, getting like a big burn on my back from just like chafing on that thing. Yeah, and if you're wondering, yes, uh, this is in a fairly rural and conservative area. Yeah. The branding didn't come from nowhere. Yeah. Um, An iconic place. Wow, what? Two legendary childhood locations. And these places are, like, close to each other. Yeah, reasonably. Although... Yeah. There's a Storyland sign near Logos Land. Yeah, Storyland is no more, unfortunately. But but the Hansel and Gretel exhibit there was creepy as fuck. That whole place was kind of creepy, like all, all those exhibits. And I remember uh, the paddle boats you could go on. And there was also like little plaster figures by the edge of the reeds where you paddled by. And the reeds had kind of grown. So you there would be like hiding behind the reeds. It looked like a shot out of yeah. the distance. Oh, my God. I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at pictures. Um, I'm pulling it up. And there's like the most cursed Humpty Dumpty. I've I don't remember this Humpty Dumpty, but this thing is fucking cursed. It was up for auction 
Yeah, they, yeah. They, oh, they the auctioned off a bunch fucking, of it. It looked fucking evil. Evil. I'm pulling them up right now. I remember being terrified of it. Yeah, there's like a pumpkin carriage. There was a of me crying on its leg. A classic. There's a big bunny rabbit. There's a... The big bunny got auctioned, I know. Yeah, a few of these things definitely got auctioned. This is so... It's so bizarre to look at this. To just look at pictures of this. Oh my god, there is a YouTube video. Exploring the abandoned parts of it? No, this is like... content. It's like a French commercial for Storyland. And, well, I suppose you're not too far from the border to Quebec there. No. Oh, my God. This is nuts. We're just doing a deep... Fuck Gretel and Hansel. We're doing a deep dive into Storyland. Yeah, and this place was open for a long time. Like This place must have opened in like the 70s or something. Yeah, I'm looking up to see when exactly. It had to be at least like the 70s or the 60s. Storyland, Ontario... 1966 dude yeah and we were going there in what 2002 2000 yeah 2002 2003 like yeah (laughs) and it was and like all the amenities were like basically the same yeah wow i love oh yeah yeah so yeah it was two immigrants from the netherlands dude and it's giving the netherlands it is it is big time (sighs) wow Um, this is making me so nostalgic but the the story the Storyland sign has the same like aesthetic to me as the Kingburger sign does. They're not actually the same, but like they're giving the same vibe. It's right next to the uh, to uh, like the Champlain lookout. I know. It's a an... yes, yeah, yeah. Man, this is something else. I do think this is genuinely helpful context because I don't remember being read a lot of fairy tales and stuff i mean i'm sure i was because every kid was but like i don't have an attachment to like hansel and gretel or anything but uh i sure as fuck went to storyland yeah and you got all your shit then yeah I, i'm probably i probably got a lot of it through storyland pre- the other rather than any other places um so that's a that's a genuinely uh helpful touchstone i think for our audience look up storyland i don't know ontario that's probably specific enough yeah and you'll 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 get there. Uh, there is a Wikipedia page. Um, beautiful stuff. Attractions. Let's really quickly do this. Attractions. This one claims that Champlain Lookout is an attraction at Storyland. I don't think that's entirely accurate. But hey, uh, it, it is where Samuel de Champlain uh, set land. But is it part of Storyland? Uh, I do remember them having an exhibit about Samuel de Champlain, which was really bizarre because. Yeah. It's just like, okay, Hansel and Gretel, now let's learn about this explorer and colonizer who married a 13-year-old. Yeah, it's not not ideal at all. Um, Actually, how old was his wife? I forget. I'm I'm looking up. It doesn't matter. It was too young. Uh, We've got Off-Road Rally, which is the cars that you were talking about. Gone Fishing, a Hampton Dry Boat Umbrella Ride. Fairy Tale Trail, a series of trails throughout the park containing many of the park's storybook scenes. Mini golf, splish splash spray park, crooked pond paddle boats, jump and bounce, playgrounds, old McDonald's farm, a petting zoo, and uh, Storyland Arcade. And there was also a live show called Alice's Tea Party. Mm. This is I a found- that. yeah. This is a foundational fairy tale based experience. 
Um, incredible stuff here, really. Really could not be further removed in a lot of ways from Gretel and Hansel, though. Well, I don't know about that. It's sort of like that that Brothers Grimm kind of spooky kids in the woods. Like, do you mean that the, the film is removed from the fairy tale? I mean the film and its relationship to Storyland. <laughs> Fair enough. But I feel like Storyland still got enough of that dark creepiness in there. I feel like because it was just dilapidated. Yeah, I, I guess the the version of Storyland that we probably got was a little was like the appropriate amount of scuffed. Yeah. To uh, kind of creepy. Yeah. Um. Man, that was an unexpected trip down memory lane. Yeah. I think that's all the context we need for where we're coming at this from. Yeah. Unless you really want to get to something. I mean, I can remember my mom telling me the story when I was a kid. But other yeah. than that, I mean. I'm not like a Hansel and Gretel super fan, you know? So I feel like... Who, who like is? That's you know who might be? Liam? Oz Perkins, <laughs> the director <laughs> of Gretel and Hansel. Um, Gretel and Hansel is directed by Oz Perkins, who you may know as the son of Anthony Perkins. And if you didn't know that, now you know that. But I'm there assuming you There is a striking family resemblance. Yeah. Uh, you may oh, know him... Psycho too. He was. You also may know him for the Black Coat's daughter, which IMDb calls February for some reason. Even the poster still says the Black Coat's daughter, but IMDb just calls the movie February. No idea why. I didn't see it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. He's also in Nope, apparently. Okay. Interesting. Legally Blonde as well. <laughs> uh, the movie's written by Rob Hayes. It's uh, edited by Josh Etier, who will remember from Orphan First Kill. And uh, Julia Wong, who will remember from Child's Play 2019. And also, she actually had a few other things I wanted to mention. X-Men The Last Stand, Hocus Pocus 2, Santa's Slay, and The Pink Panther 2. Uh, the cinematography is by Gallo Olivares, and the music is by Rob Kudair, a.k.a. Rob, who uh, did the music for the remake of Maniac and also the movie Revenge. That Maniac remake, good as fuck, by the way. I haven't seen it. Oh, man. It's something else. It's so good. We did it on the show. It really does go hard. Um, Cast real quick. Sophia Lillis is Gretel. She's in the recent It movies. Uh, Sharp Objects, I Am Not Okay With This and Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase, in which she is the titular Nancy Drew. Uh, Samuel Leakey plays Hansel. Alice Krieg plays the witch. Uh, she is the Borg queen in a bunch of Star Trek stuff, including Star Trek First Contact. Was also in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Shout out to Liam. Uh, and also in something called The Mystery of Natalie Wood, which I mentioned largely for your benefit. For my benefit, why am I some kind of Natalie Wood conspiracy theorist? Maybe not conspiracy theorist, but you're the person who's most familiar. Like, I heard about it, I think, like, talking with you. Oh, about so, her. in my head, you're inextricably linked. To the conspiracy? Just you know, to the... the just that fateful day at, at the, off Catalina Island in 1981? Yes. 
Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then we've got Jessica DeGao as the young version of the witch who is in a few TV shows, including Underground, Dracula, Pennyworth, and The Secret She Keeps. Uh, Charles Babalola plays the Huntsman. He was in uh, a few episodes of Black Mirror, The Legend of Tarzan, The Outlaws. Fiona O'Shaughnessy is the mom of the movie. She plays Don't Breathe 2, or she was in Don't Breathe 2. Uh, Doncha Crowley uh, plays Master Strip. He was in The Green Knight. And then we've got Melody Carrillo, Jonathan Delaney, Jonathan Gunning, Ian Kenny, Abdul Al-Sharif, Manuel Pombo, Loris Harrison, and Julia Daugherty. Hmm. And Beatrix Perkins, both as like the kid with the hat the pink hat um this is the story of uh hansel and gretel however it is from the perspective of gretel and it injects uh i don't know if it's twists per se i think it's a little bit different some of the tropes and i think it i get I think it does also subvert some of those plot points. It goes in different directions. Certainly in the end, there's a twist. Right. Uh, which we'll get to. Uh, but I don't know. Let's not give the whole game away. If you get the gist of Hansel and Gretel, you're up to speed. It's not your your, uh, your, it's your grandma's Hansel, Hansel, and, Gretel, Hansel right? and Gretel. It's not your grandma's or your granddad's. It's actually Greta, Gretel and Hansel this time. It's, so. Greta, it's Greta Gerwig's Gretel Greta and Gerwig. Hansel. It's the girl boss Gretel and Hansel. Um, you just finished watching this, right? Like about half an hour ago. Oh, Is that fair to say? Like two seconds after we podcast. So I made the elaborate drink and then I sat down and watched the last 10 minutes. So you stopped during the movie and were like, I need to, I need a drink. Oh, no, I told my roommate I'd make one and he came back with yeah. the lemons and limes. So yeah. Did you like the movie? Did, wow. We're just getting into it. Well, what else is there? We set the scene. We talked about Storyland. Okay. Uh, fine, I'll buy it. Um, well, hang on. Did, did I miss anything? You got the cast. Cast, uh, crew, story. Yeah, you got it all. It was just pretty brisk. Wow, I barely, I barely got over the whole Natalie Wood thing, and then now we're done. Um, <laughs> did I like the movie? Uh, yes and no. I think it's like imperfect. But there are some really fucking cool things in this movie. I think it's... Uh, you mentioned The Green Knight when you were talking about some of the accolades and, and sort of work, uh, filmography that the the other people involved are in, with. And I think that this movie has a lot in common with The Green Knight and also The Witch, just like with that sort of um, fairy tale, mushrooms in the woods kind of story, right? Um, it's, it is a really interesting movie. Um my main issues I think have to do with um, I think it drags in some places, especially near the end where you're, you're depending upon everything just being set in these kind of boring liminal spaces. And I think that there is a, a sense of um, self-importance, especially in the case of the acting that kind of makes everything seem like stilted and wooden and uncanny. And I think 
there are times in the movie where you can get over it. Like I wrote in my notes that it took me like 30 minutes to kind of get over that uncanny quality. Um, but near the end, I kind of got right back into it. And there were things that I just didn't like or decisions that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I, I do think it's a really cool movie. I, I just have issues with um, with the performances on some level. And otherwise, I, I, I vibe with a lot of it, especially the first half of the movie. I think it gets weaker in the, in the later half. And I'm not super crazy about the ending. But uh, it, it definitely like whips up this um, meringue of, of fairy tale and horror that really works for me in, in a lot of ways. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. It was tough. Um, I wrote a snippy letterbox review, which I don't usually do when we're going to do it on the podcast, but I felt like it was probably helping to condense the issue what that i was say? having yeah i'm gonna read it this kind of feels like if you took every movie that got saddled with the elevated horror tag fairly or unfairly and whatever that means put them into an algorithm and asked it to make a movie i think that's fair what's interesting about this movie so this movie came out in 2012 no wow that was <laughs> 2020 it came out in 2020 and um what I find interesting about that is when when do we want to say the elevated horror conversation started? Oh, maybe I, like in my head. Yeah, that I was gonna say. I think it's been like seven years of that, yeah. and I want to preface all of this by saying I don't think that elevated horror is a real thing. I think that's a made up term. I do too. I think it does tend to describe a specific kind of movie like a specific set of movies that have occasionally like similar stylistic things i.e fewer jump scares tend to be slower maybe a little bit headier but um overall it's just kind of a meaningless term to make people feel better about horror movies um but the hallmarks that those movies have like when somebody says elevated horror and they're using the term negatively I think a lot of the things that they are complaining about are in this movie. That doesn't mean I think they're bad in this movie, but I think this movie has a lot of those things. In particular, um, quirky cinematography approach. Weird editing. Um, Weird the, editing. In tandem with the, with the cinematography. For example, uh, like like they just like break the axis constantly just for the sake of it. Um, also, I think... Uh, cuts that are like almost as though the actor is being goaded to deliver a line and then the cut happens but it's not a clean cut there's like a good like five seconds clean coal the, there's a good there's a good like five or six seconds before the actor actually like delivers the line before it actually goes so it's it's weird like it feels like it's edited in such a way to make things feel deliberately off it's just sort of like a I think a calling card of your quote unquote elevated horror to kind of edit something unconventionally but i think sometimes it gets in the way yeah i think that's a good example i think um the the moody color palette um and the and the, the, and the like the color temperatures and the lighting yeah the orange the, and blue the droney synth score uh or yeah. not primarily synth score but it's got that drone it's not like it's something that some people might just say doesn't sound like real music 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also the the I'm reluctant to call it a headier approach because I don't think it's that complicated. But the more thematically driven approach, and I will say the very blunt thematic element to the writing. Um, yeah, this movie is not subtle in what it wants to tell you. No, it's um, it's not in the least. So and you I know think, what's happening, like you know where it's going because everybody knows the story, right? So it feels like it drags in places as a result. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that we're describing, like in their worst form, or the thing that people are talking about when they say that elevated horror is bad or stupid. Um, I don't think it's necessarily bad or stupid. I I think what this coalesces into more than anything is something that feels meandering and like it didn't have a really strong sense of purpose and that I don't really know why, why we're both here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like an interesting aesthetic experiment, but one that you could have done in like a third of the time. Uh, And I don't think it does a lot with the feature length and it's only 80 minutes. Um, But it does sit around a lot. It has those quieter moments. It's got like conversation. It's got whatever. Uh, it it felt like that dragged, and then some of the writing's pretty corny, really so, corny, really wrote and and delivered in such a way that is that is stilted. And I think I can't tell if they're going for like deliberately uncanny performances or if the actors just aren't up to the job. Um, but I, I really have I a big think, issue with the acting. It, it doesn't I think, feel like natural acting. It, it feels like no. acting. I think it is intentional. It is. Sorry, I'm struggling with words. It is intentionally unnatural acting, but not all of the actors can do that. Yeah. I think that's uh, a good in way to put particular, it. I think the kid, like the little the Hansel, Hansel he is out of his depth (laughs) yeah i'll be yeah i didn't really care for his performance he's a kid he's doing his best yeah i yeah i'm not like dunking on him it's just like i I don't i don't think that went great yeah um i i didn't i thought that his performance kind of pulled stuff down i think the witch has moments that are really good i think she like physically um has it Physically, she has it going on. I mean, Alice, uh, is it Kriege? or I, I I don't know how to pronounce her name, but I I have like seen her in a, in a few things, and yeah. um, I'm I'm definitely like interested in her in her performance uh, for sure. I think the way in which she's filmed is really cool, especially in the reveal scene through the door where she just appears in the doorway. Like, that's creepy yeah. as fuck. Like that looks like like 1920s German expressionism. Um, like it, it's uh she's filmed in a really cool way, but there's just a lot of midsection of her just talking about shit that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And I, I also think, especially knowing that this movie was like directed by a dude and written by a dude, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the like thematic element that is both like, it's doubling like the witchcraft angle with like the, the womanhood angle and the, knowing things that men don't know and the having power or whatever it all feels very trite yeah coming from who it's coming from and like h- how it's being presented like it just makes you roll your eyes some of the lines are just trying to be too cute but then some of it's like just sort of stupid 
I think like I, this isn't necessarily a version of the story that I think needs to be told by these people. So mm-hmm. you're sort of left just being like, yeah, okay, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just looking through my notes that there's, there's, like, I don't hate the movie, but, but I think that there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't work for me. I do think that the set design is really great. Yeah, it, it, you know, we've been hard on it. Um, I do think the movie. Even if other movies have been doing the same thing, I think the movie looks really cool. And I went back and forth with that throughout the screening. I, I like I started and I was like, okay, this is a little full of itself. And then I thought it was cool. And then I wondered if I was like being tricked by the movie. And then I was like, no, I do like it. Um, sometimes it's just things are cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes things are cool. Sometimes um, they are. Yeah, I think this is one of those things. I think there's a lot of really deep focus, uh, which I think looks pretty cool. Especially some of those, like, those almost stagey establishing shots that the film does so much. Yeah, it does have a very stage play quality to it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but I like the very like symmetrical framing of a lot of shots. I like how that correlates with the very like angular and in particular triangular like production design or like architectural approach i think those things look cool together um and i i just think the camera the cinematography decisions are compelling they do work for me i just think they i think it's cool the compositions are cool but also at the same time like a different kind of person would just say that it's like a 24 core. Yeah. That's, it like, just feels like, and it is core. that like a 24, whether people like it or not. And this movie is not a 24. It's Orion, but, um, a 24, like basically has a house style at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's this, right? Like the, this movie is doing all of the exact things that you would expect it to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does the visual and production stuff very well. And I think it does the narrative stuff poorly. I agree. Like, I don't think it necessarily engages with fantasy or, or um, I guess, like the, that fairy tale uh, subject matter the way I want it to, or as much as I, I, I think it should have or could have. Um, you know, I, I think that, that those things are, are meant to be like up in the up in the forefront. And I think they're trying and reaching for that, but it doesn't really work. I feel like this movie, I know I said that you could have done it much shorter, but I feel like it might have benefited from more of the journey and less of the destination. I know the destination is like a really big part of it, obviously. Like the whole thing is the encounter with the witch, but it's like the huntsman sequence is really good. And it's really short. And and the huntsman. And that's like the only. In the original story, he comes back at the end, at the very end and saves the day. It doesn't happen here. Also, uh, that dude is cool as fuck yeah he's pretty that cool. actor holy shit what a guy man are you out of your mind um i would have liked more if it, i know that's not what the movie's doing like the movie's very intentionally not doing that yeah but um i just shout out to that guy i think he's a high point in the movie 
Yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, also, like the way that, like that would, I think in the credits they call him emaciated man. That whole sequence is kind of spooky and really interesting. And I, I would yeah, like and to that's see another more. thing. Where I think it's the like, journey is really interesting with those those like creepy, almost eyes wide shut figures moving through the woods, and they eat mushrooms. And of course, they fucking eat mushrooms because that's just like that sequence know, part of the was so twenty four vibe. Yeah, um, that that felt like lame and a little silly. It was just I think like, so what too. Are we, what are we doing here? Like. You don't have to tick every every single. That is one of the boxes. Box like, like they're on they're on hallucinogenics now. <laughs> yeah, it just feels trite, and yeah. like it also I think undercuts probably some of the stuff that the movie does better mm-hmm. than average, um, because it also does so many things like under the average. Um, but uh. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'd be curious for a more conventional version, which I feel like I don't typically say, but I think the movie, in terms of like the things that are weakest, which is like the the performance and like the written element, like I think it's just a little high in its own supply and thinking what it's doing is cool. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's worth saying that it's like okay, so you've attempted to, like, I don't know, emancipate this character in some way by giving her more agency in, like, the the crux of the story and the in the climax or whatever. But, like, to what end? Because mostly what it results in is a bunch of corny dialogue. And, um, and it's just, like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it... It doesn't feel like that approach was done very thoughtfully. It just felt like a way to spin it into being something different, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm trying to think of things that that I like because we kind of keep circling back to being critical. Yeah, um, it's got. It's just like those. Those are the things that are most forward about the movie. Are just yeah. like it doesn't super like it's visually pretty interesting, but like it doesn't coalesce because the narrative part is like pretty flat. Yeah, it's like pretty flat, and it it, it seems. It seems to carry itself with such a sense of self-importance, like, like from the opening scene, like the bit with the mom and everything. All the acting is so offbeat and so weird that, like, I, I think that they all felt like they were making some kind of avant-garde thing. But in the end, it, it it's it's not. It feels kind of derivative, and I I don't think that it's um it engages with like those those myths in a meaningful way either. Like it, I. I I watch this and it doesn't really make me think of like Hansel and Gretel really. It, it's doing so many other things. There's so many other like subplots and additions yeah. to the lore. I feel like it, it's built up in, a, in to such a do degree. We, do we think it would be better if it was just its own thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's Gretel and it, Hansel. But. I guess that is its, it's, its own thing. But like what if it was even further removed? Like would that have helped? Yeah, I think so. And I think it is close enough to being removed from that. And I, you know, I think like the witch's performance is so great. Um, yeah. Like the this the scenes of her uh, like being really creepy with Hansel when he's like learning how to sharpen the axe or stuff in the woods like that. Like I, I wanted maybe more of that and less of just like these flat interior dialogue sequences with this like unrelenting golden light. I think Sophia Lillis and Alice Krieg, I'm going to go with that. I apologize if I'm wrong, um, are good with each other. And yeah. I think there is something there. I think it's maybe relying on that a little bit too much to 
progress like its story along weirdly i think if it was longer i think it could have just like vibed more i think that it approaches having something that's a very like hang outable space if you get what i mean yeah like in the shots of just things like lingering um i actually think something that this movie owes i think quite a bit of a debt to the witch um i think so too they will, and, in in that sort of like old timey spook yeah, story old timey spook story witch oriented um sort of like uh <laughs> i'm saying this in an intentionally funny way but girl power forward um yeah kind of approach like a lot of similarities are there but um one thing among several things that i think the witch does a lot better is um there are sequences in the witch that purely kind of exist to sit in and experience parallel to but not directly in service of like just like capital yeah. P plot and I think this movie could honestly have used more of that. The witch paints a far more rich canvas, like the idea of living in in North America. Yeah, like the context is more compelling, and it, then it, it actually it takes more time with mm-hmm. all of it, like both narrative and just mood. Right. Yeah. I and, think and that's where I like think a also lot of the benefit is. There's these interesting psychological underpinnings that are, that go much deeper with how they collide with like the puritanical culture of the time right i think that the witch has works really well on multiple levels whereas this i think is sort of one note yeah it and that one note is very good it's very good but you're gonna be familiar with it yeah it's just like that's why i'm saying it's like i think there's a short film version of this that's 20 minutes 25 and really good. I think or that's at too least short. you think that is? Yeah, I think I think you could probably make this film like an hour in ten minutes. Cut out twenty minutes. You'd only be cutting out it's only eighty minutes. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I think what you could I, probably I, do it in like forty. And what I'm what I mean is like and I'm envisioning something completely different, but if you streamlined it, I think all the stuff that works would shine better. Uh, because I think what it gets bogged down in is a lot of just like talking and relying on performances that don't always work. So I think if there was less of that and it had yeah. a bit more of that like immediate thrust, um, it might it might hit better. Um, it, it does look like a pretty low budget affair. So I think in, in that uh, yeah, sense, I think they do do a pretty good job. Uh, five. What is mil- the budget? That's not very much. No, in 2020, it's not. <laughs> I would say overall, I am disappointed in the movie, but I think that's because I just said for a long time I was really looking forward to seeing it, and then I just didn't see it until now. So maybe I got to sit on some expectation. Though, generally, what I had heard about it was positive. I was actually surprised to go to the letterbox page and see that it's pretty reliably like a two and a half for a lot of people. I'm not a big numbers rating guy, but like, it's probably about where I'm at. Yeah, it seems to be like consistently getting like six out of ten, six and a half, which yeah. I think is like there is nothing wrong with that. Like that's not a bad no. 
score. Like that's just like a middle of the road score. And I yeah, think and I don't like feel pretty... like I wasted my time. I'm not angry no. with this movie. No, or like, I, like I'll probably think about aspects of this movie and, and shots of it. Yeah. Like there are shots that stand out to me as being really great. Um, there are aspects of this movie that I really like, and I don't see, think of it as a waste of time in the least. Um, we watched so much worse. The the music I like quite a bit. I will say I do understand people are sick of like droning ambient largely synthetic scores in horror movies i'm not of this kind um of this particular stripe i guess uh i don't know i it still hits though i like it i like it a lot um and i i like in particular this movie i like the the contrast um because while this doesn't feel particularly old and fantastical, like I just like the visual contrast of like hearing something really, really synthetic and digital. Yeah, um, and I think that it works with the color with the color palette too, which also feels very synthetic. And I mean, they don't really do the whole candy house thing, right? So you have to make up for it in some way. Yeah, it's doing a much grimmer. Elmeo did not mean to do that, but a, mm-hmm. a grimmer approach. Yeah. It does make me more curious to see uh, The Black Coat's Daughter as well, because I've been meaning to see that, and I believe that is a movie that Liam likes, if I can put some words in his mouth. And um, I had the same director. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a few... Um, I think Emma Roberts is in that movie. Other Alice Krieg movies that I've been meaning to watch as well. Um, like, I want to see Echoes of the Past, and... What's the other one she did? Dario Argento produced it. Malcolm McDowell's in it. I, Christ, I don't remember the name. Uh, That's hitters, though. That's big hitters. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Also, uh, Rupert Everett's in it, too, I think. What the fuck is it called? Let me just look at that. I cannot wait to figure out whatever this is going to be. Alice Craig. Uh, she will. She will. She will. I, I don't know if I know that off the top of my head. It got sort of mixed reviews, but I remember th- like seeing the trailer for it back in 2021 and thinking that it looked really cool. I should check that out, yeah, or look into it at least. Um, Victoria Ghent, a former film star, goes to he- a healing retreat in Scotland with her nurse after a double mastectomy where she... Uh, the place where she stays is the site where women were burnt as witches centuries before their ashes fill the land and give her the power to exact revenge within her dreams. That sounds pretty sick. I think so too. Yeah. Somebody give that movie a sequel and we'll have a reason to watch it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I am looking at my notes and... I feel like I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to have a quick pass through mine. Again, there's just like quotes that I wrote down that are kind of ridiculous that, again, speak to that stilted style of speaking yeah. that feels delivered like, you would have seen a crumb of cake sooner or later. <laughs> um, again, like stilted, awkward, wrote, self-serious, perform- <laughs> performance. Yeah. It feels like a performance. Um, the The line from the mom about like going and digging your own graves and then dig me one and i was like okay <laughs> yeah I, but then I, when the, the mom comes back in and just grave. smashes a fucking axe into the table i was like okay this is sick actually or a shovel i guess but yeah, uh, it was an axe 
no, yeah, it would be nice. But um, but on the on the note of graves and digging graves, I think there is that when they're talking about like the the backstory of like that one girl who becomes the witch or whatever. Um, the the shot of the children walking into the grave like they're walking downstairs. That's fucking sick. It is pretty sick. Yeah, no, I've said everything I really I really need to say as well. If you like movies that fit this descriptor, it's probably worth giving it a shot. You may well like it more than we did. It's a pretty but good movie. Like I at think the same a lot time, of people will it's like not this. yeah, it's not bad. It just doesn't hit the way you might hope it would. Yeah. But, you could spend but, your afternoon or your evening much worse ways. Yeah. Even just like purely based on things that we've watched. Yeah. You could do yeah. you could do significantly worse. Like I think that the this one I had more fun with than a lot of things we've had. I don't think I have as much to say about it, but it, you know, it's it's still a lot of fun. I wish Liam were here because I feel like he would have an interesting opinion. I feel like he would be a good foil to you and I on this. I'm glad you said that because he may be sending us some thoughts, and if he did, I'm going to put them here. Corey. You are so filthy you could pass for compost if not for the whites of your eyes. <laughs> Hello, this is Liam. I'm uh, recording from my car right now because I figured if I don't need internet to, to talk to you guys, I might as well get away from the birds. So I have a microphone in a car on a, on a snowy dusk evening um, shortly before this episode comes out. I'm sorry I wasn't able to be there. Uh... It's been a bit, a bit of a busy week for Liam, and uh, apparently Liam talks to himself in the third person when he has no one to rein him in. Um, but yeah, I wasn't able to make it, and uh, and I was bummed because I'm really curious to hear what you guys thought about this movie. We haven't actually talked about it since we all watched it. I mean, obviously you two have talked about it, Mitch and Corey, and uh, they had that conversation but i have no idea what the other guys think of this movie we haven't talked about it and i haven't told them what i think and so i'm gonna send this to Corey. it's 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 gonna be in the episode you guys are gonna hear it and then and then i'm gonna listen to the episode and, and discover what mitch and Corey think for the first time um so i'm very excited for this episode to come out um and i was excited to watch this movie the reason i picked it was uh kind of multiple reasons actually one is that as a kid Hansel and Gretel was was one of my favorite um fairy tales I I thought it was really uh scary um these the uh, this idea of two young kids in the woods with no parents and uh they stumble upon something that that would be enticing to to most any child right a house made of candy um and a place where you're provided nourishment um, and shelter, and to have that be uh, twisted on you, um, it's just one of the scariest things I can imagine. Um, and so I always, I always just really liked it as a kid. Um, I thought it was scary. I thought it was one of those stories that could be told in uh, numerous different ways. Um, you could tell it as if they are vampire hunters, witch hunters. What was that movie? Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunter? Um, I don't know. Despite liking the fairy tale, I've actually... I haven't dove into many of these other retellings, even though I think it's it's such a ripe story. Um, but I was interested in this movie, Gretel and Hansel, when it came out. Um, particularly because it's directed by a guy named Oz Perkins. Um, 
I'm sure you guys talk about this in the episode, but I really like this guy. Um, I've only seen one of his other movies. I, I haven't caught the uh, the one that came out for him first, but he actually uh, he made it second. His first movie was was The Black Coat's Daughter, and then that one ended up coming out second. But that's the one I have seen, and I, I think that movie's brilliant. I've seen it a, a few times. Um, I think it has some of the best possession acting in a, in a movie um, ever. The performance that Kiernan Shipka ends up giving in that movie is is just incredible, and I love I love the um, the the way that that movie plays with time, and it sort of it, it it jumps around. You don't know exactly where you are until all the pieces come together. Um, I love the isolated setting at this girls' school in the winter. Um, I was lucky enough to see that movie on the big screen, and and some of the the producers actually uh, were at the screening. Maybe even some so some people from the crew. I don't remember who exactly. Oz Perkins wasn't there, but the movie was shot near near the city that uh, that we all live in, and so they came for the screening, which was really cool. Um, and so that made the movie special, but then I've watched it since the theater, and it's just got better and better in my estimation. I think it's a really unique, scary, um, quiet movie, and Gretel and Hansel could totally be that. You know, it's the movies have that in common. They're small casts, and uh, um, I figured it would be a pretty limited location in this movie, and so I thought, hey. This is going to be the Black Coat's daughter of uh, my favorite fairy tale, so why not? Um, and what did I think of the movie? Well, I'm, I'm disappointed to say I, I didn't like the movie very much. Um, I think that it ends up being really slight, despite the fact that there is... A lot being thrown at the wall in terms of substance you know a, a cliche a sort of a, a trite critique that that people like to throw out there about um, movies that they'll say that it's substance over style um, rather I actually maybe that'd be a compliment for people that say that I think people actually say it's style over substance right um, this idea that something looks visually nice but but it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it's it's pointless and I don't think this movie has that I think this movie is is one that I could I could understand someone um, saying that about because it does look really nice visually um, it's got a lot of cool shadows it has a unique aspect ratio after the first scene um, I'm not really sure what the purpose of that was in fact I was listening to a podcast about this movie um, and that podcast host was saying that he loved how the movie had like a wide aspect ratio to start it off and then after the opening scene when the aspect ratio changes to this more uh, boxy looking thing he was he was so disappointed whereas i kind of felt the opposite i thought at the beginning it looked sort of like um like a video game cutscene or something um as this this voiceover is is telling us this uh, this story, I think I would have I would have preferred that the movie started right with this weird aspect ratio, just because it, it felt much more visually distinct to me. Even though I'm I'm not certain 
why it was shot to look that way because I didn't necessarily think that um, the aspect ratio made me feel any more isolated or or claustrophobic because I thought that the, the shots themselves were actually pretty open feeling. Um, I could have taken or left the aspect ratio. Um, but just the way a lot of the shots are, are composed and uh, the the places they put the camera, sometimes it seems like there's some GoPro action going on, um, you know, where a camera is like attached to something um, and, and moving with a character. I like the way the the witch's house looks. I would love to live in that house. That's um, that's a style that me and my fiance would love. Um, I like the the dark woods. Um, I like the, the the colors in this movie or the lack of color. Um, so I really like the the way the movie looks. Um, and I do think that this movie has substance, um, which is why I would not say that it's style over substance. But I think this movie, the way that the substance is executed, like the way that this movie communicates what I think are its themes um, and its greater ideas related to this Hansel and Gretel story, I think feels very... um, It doesn't feel very dramatic. Uh, Like there are a lot of cool lines in this movie. I mean, I can rattle off a few of them. Uh, that I that I wrote down. I like when Gretel says, I don't always do anything. I'm not a clock. And uh, I like when um, someone says uh, regarding Hansel, he shouldn't be left on his own. And, uh, and then someone replies, maybe not, but you definitely should be. And there's another one where, where Hansel says, um, Gretel, it smells of cake and I can't resist. I like that one just because it reminded me of myself. There are a lot of really cool lines here i think this is um this is definitely written by by uh someone with with a sharp wit but i i kind of felt like the way that the lines all came together and and the way that the lines were delivered felt very um it 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 didn't feel real to me It, it and maybe that's part of the fairy tale quality they were going for um but I guess I just that execution wasn't my preference, particularly at the end when the witch is really um, explaining herself, explaining her backstory, sort of explaining the themes of the movie. The idea of uh, I, you know, um, a quote in this movie is "I envy you standing at the threshold of your experience to be young again." Um, I think that's part of what the movie is about. Um, and I, I would have preferred that these themes felt teased out throughout the film um, more as opposed to um, barely being suggested, I think, and then at the end of the movie just really being explained. Um, and I don't think that the, the visuals in the third act are... Um, are big enough in order to uh, have it feel like a payoff visually. Um, I think the whole movie kind of feels similar. So it's not like the third act is there to blow you away visually and make things pay off that way. So the style doesn't doesn't um, have a culmination. 
and I don't think the the substance of the movie, the themes, um, I don't think that has much of a satisfying culmination either. I mean, there's 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 definitely stuff that's brought up, which is why I say that this movie is not style over substance. It's it's not style with a lack of substance. I think that it's just the substance is is laid on uh, too thick. Um, particularly at the end of the film, I, I would have preferred that the substance had been kind of spread out with a with a nice uh, hot knife throughout more of the movie. Um, and that's not to say that that the first hour of this movie there's there's nothing of substance going on. Um, like I said, there are plenty of good lines throughout it, and I, I like the theme of. Um, of Gretel feeling like she's got to uh, have her her younger brother tag along with her when she is at such a different place um, mentally than him. You know, she's at such a different place in her maturity. Um, this movie ages her up from from any rendition of this of this uh, fairy tale I've ever heard. Um, and when you're a kid, you know. Those few years can mean a whole lot. I don't know exactly what ages these characters were supposed to be. I'd say maybe Gretel felt like she was 14, 15, and uh, Hansel would be more like uh, 8 to 10 years old. Um, and that's a big gap when you're a kid. And, and I like the way that the movie portrayed that. Um, but I... I I guess I didn't like the way they portrayed it. Honestly, I, I liked that it had that that factor to it. But I, I think I, that I would have appreci- appreciated if that was um, played out a little bit more. If that was if that was examined more. Um, instead, I think this movie kind of uh, feels quite meandering, um, and it feels. Um, like there's like the point is uh is is just to eventually um get to the end honestly where where the themes can really be revealed as it, as if uh the movie is um is really looking to have a great reveal with the dialogue at the end um, cuz there is a bit of a monologue here um it just doesn't feel like it's structured like uh the movie i was i was wanting at the time i watched it i guess it it doesn't feel like a um your typical dramatic three-act structure um and and that was that was a bit disappointing to me i mean comparing this to a movie like uh even just from the same the same uh not the same year, because I guess this movie's a few years old now. Comparing it to some movies from 2022 that are about a similar thing, like X and Pearl, um, this idea of a, of an older person um, longing, longing for youth and and thinking about the mistakes they've made, and uh, instead of writing those mistakes, they're they're just digging their heels in. Um, I think that that's a great theme, and I'm, uh, I think it's really cool to utilize that in this movie. But uh, I think that a movie like like Pearl really found a way to uh, to tease that out more and make it feel intentionally about that thing the entire way through. Whereas I thought that this movie um, 
didn't didn't communicate that to me throughout most of the runtime. And maybe it's not even fair to compare these two movies, um, but it, it it definitely came to mind once once uh, that that theme was revealed at the end so explicitly. Um, so I, I I can't help it. I just gotta. I'm, I'm rambling in my car. What can I do? Um. So that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, I would I would love to hear your guys' response to this. Um, you know, it would be nice. It'd be nice to be there in person again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I missed it. I hope this suffices a little bit for people who are curious to to hear what I think of this movie. Um, but I really do appreciate our conversations, and uh, you know, as as we talk, it solidifies how I think about something, or it changes how I think about something, and so. Um, I really look forward to to hearing you guys talk about this movie and seeing how that makes me feel and if it makes me think about the movie in a different way. You know, I saw this movie a little over a week ago at this point. Um, so I'm looking forward to the refresher from you guys because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to remember what I felt here. Um, but it is not as fresh as maybe I, I would like. Um, uh, I guess all that's to say the, the movie honestly didn't stick with me too much and I, I really I tell you what I really paid attention I really wanted this to pay off because it felt like the kind of movie that could that could pay off um, and I didn't I didn't think that it did I thought that this felt um, felt really slight it kind of felt like a, a light version of the witch or or a light version of the black coat's daughter to be honest um, a more accessible version of that movie um, I also didn't buy the accents. I guess maybe I should, I, I'll just say that really quickly. Uh, a lot of the, the, the line deliveries, the accents, um, and even just the phrasings of, 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 of certain, uh, the way that they, the, some characters phrase things. I wasn't actually sure like what time period we were in, um, it, it, I found it tough to get immersed into this movie, even on a character level as well. Um, it just didn't feel solidly fleshed out. I don't, I don't know how quickly this movie was put together, but um, I, I felt like uh, maybe it needed a bit more time in the oven, you know? Just like, uh, just like Hansel and Gretel. Uh, because by the end of it, 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 it feels like, you know, the themes are there, the cool themes are there, but there, the movie hasn't uh, really, like, teased them out and figured out how to, how to pepper those things in throughout the film in a satisfying way. Instead, it's like, it's got the idea at the beginning, it brings it back at the end, and then in the middle... Um, there's there's some stuff that that's hinted at but it's really um i just i i think that another pass at this movie um might have might have helped it out okay i'm getting cold in the car i've turned the heat off because i didn't want the air conditioning uh mucking up this recording um so i'll cut it there um, I'm excited to hear what you guys think. Um, I might have to do this again for next week. It sounds like for the for the movie that you guys end up picking. Um, so I'm sorry about that, but um, I'm happy to chime in as as little as I can, uh, as much as I can. And I'm excited to hear the episode. Okay, you guys can find me at uh, Graham the Mallow and 
all that stuff. Maybe Corey will tell you about it. Uh, right. Okay. Goodbye. Wow. Wasn't that great, everybody? Now we maybe know what Liam thinks, or maybe wow. we don't. I can't wait to know what Liam thinks when I listen to the episode upon its release. Boy, howdy. Um, well, what you can do now to get Liam back for the trouble is uh, it's your pick. Mm. And um, I, I might know what it is. You do. I, we are doing that? Yeah, I'd like to see the William Friedkin adaptation of 12 Angry Men. Oh, yeah. You said that today, didn't you? I was actually... I had something else in my head when what I said that. What else did you think Those I was are... going to do? I might change my mind. I thought you were going to do... Oh, fuck. We were talking about it at work. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do... Instead? I'm down for either. I'm going to go 12 Angry Men. But my next pick will be... Okay, so I'm going to censor the thing that I thought it was. Because that okay. will come up in the future. Yeah, yeah. Cut that um, out. I'm going to do a censorship beep. I think it's funnier. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I, I saw a dog and he was doing this. And it was the most God awful stench I'd ever smelled. And it was at Storyland of all places and Storyland. And all the kids cried when they saw the. And then they asked for my plugs. Um, holy moly um all right you got plugs uh you could have at least waited we would have had a crumb of cake and i wouldn't have to steal the doll um if you want to check out stuff that liam's doing while mitch falls into the void uh i know liam's not here but um you can find him on twitter and letterboxd under his uh alter ego uh which is uh, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow at Graham the Mallow. Hell yeah, dude. We're, we're boozing. And um, he's also in a band called Guest Room Status. Uh, if you want to listen to the music that they make, uh, that's in the description too. Uh, hopefully, you know, Liam will be back next week as usual. And uh, there's Liam's plugs. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other two podcasts that I do, which are MK Podquest with our friend Neil and Strat 2, which is about F1 with our friend Callum. If you go to mortalcombatconquest.ca, you can find all of those. Uh, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and if you found a crumb of cake. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And actually, as a matter of fact, if you want to hear a conversation that Jade and I had recently, go to the MK Podquest feed. We did a random throwaway episode where I drink Mountain Dew Pitch Black, and we end up talking about the pronunciation of the word bagel and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um... So you can go listen to that if you want. And uh, with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week with all of the angriest men you can think of. And they made another one?